In 2016, scientists on Earth detected a fast radio burst from a distant region of space with no observable SARS. The following transmissions were declassified by the scientific community and given to us to present as the Binary Saga. Log entry, Vela 92. Vela Rotat 2716, cycle 7 of the 8th annual. Hey, hey, Siege. I've probably redone this transmission about 10 times now, and I'm still not entirely sure that I'm in the right mindset to send you something. Things have not been going well for me, which is strange because so many things are going well for everyone else. Things at home are nearly perfect. There is great news coming from the VSA, and, of course, Mom is now on her way back from Haimavina with incredible stories of everything she saw and accomplished there. It would seem that life is practically perfect for everyone, so I'm not sure why I feel so incredibly miserable. I should be happy, and happy for everyone else. Everything that I have ever wanted out of life, I have. And I'm excelling in the career that I always wanted to do when I was growing up. I yearned to be able to travel to the stars, and I managed to do that. Even more than anyone else here. I have witnessed my home planet achieve amazing strokes towards technology that we previously only ever dreamed about. But right now, I'm feeling very left out. Mom is still in transit on her way back from Haimavina. She stopped over at Tenga to do some of her debriefing there, and to adjust back to more normal gravity. Turns out the higher gravity on Haimavina took a lot of adjustment for her. Mom is getting up there in her rotats, so it's not as easy for her to bounce back from things like that. Tenga slowed its rotation down to accommodate the team coming back with her, and they will stay there for a few annuals while they recover. After that, it's going to be a very leisurely trip back to Vela. Mom called me shortly after she arrived at Tenga to fill me in on many of her various adventures, and I even got a few details that you left out. Nothing wave-crashing, of course, mostly just some of the reactions of people she met during the ambassador portions of her trip. It sounded like the first official visit to your world was a great success for any upcoming relationships that could be forged. The description she gave of entering the galley there for the first time was pretty close to what you said. She saw Vera and Helena waiting for her to come towards them. She glanced at Helena with a very neutral expression and then turned to Vera and advanced towards her with a huge smile and embraced as old friends. Mom said that while she couldn't tell from any outward appearance, she could feel the glare that Helena wanted to give the back of her head. Aside from the standard tour of a dignitary, she said that her visit was a typhoon of one amazing interaction after another. She loved meeting with your family and said that one of the best evenings she experienced was just sitting out on the docks with Helgi and Frida, talking and watching the Segbets go by. She had always dreamed of doing exactly that ever since she and Helgi started talking as children. It reminded me of all the plans that you and I had always made of places that we would go and visit. I'm so happy for Mom, because she has been planning to be able to do this for so long. And if there's anyone that's deserving of it, it's her. But I can't help but feel jealous at the same time. It just, it doesn't make sense in my head. She also mentioned that the food that she tasted there was absolutely nothing like the equivalent that both she and others have been attempting to make here. I guess there's something in the spices that grow there that just aren't the same as what's available on Vela. To solve this, she said that she visited quite a few different markets there and managed to almost buy them out of supplies so that she can get the meals that she's planning exactly right. I guess it's the same for Velen dishes that are getting made here. She explained that there were quite a few interesting takes on things we make here, but something about them were just off. Most of the people she spoke with there about the Velen cuisine claimed to love the taste and how it must be like the food back here. There were a few that would say that they had tried it, but that it just tasted either too salty or overwhelmingly fishy. They just thought that that was normal, but it wasn't for them. 
she assured them that it was not normal, and even said that she would try to get some supplies and recipes added to the trade listings so that they could experience what it was supposed to taste like. I couldn't help but feel like it should have been me sitting there for Sunadog brunch and meeting Nikki. I could sit and tell him about what it's really like to be out there among the stars and flying a vessel that is built to explore and visit other planets. I love Nasu with all of my heart and soul. She is one of the most perfect kids in the galaxy, but she takes after her mother in so many aspects that sometimes I think she finds what I do boring. I can see the spark in how you describe Nikki, and I feel like he is destined to be one of us who pushes everyone else further into the universe and feel the stars glide along like the waves of water beneath the skiff. I'm sure you know, ever since I was little and we first started talking, it has always been my goal to get to Haimavina. Not just a visit with you, which would be a huge part of it, but to step on another planet that wasn't in our system. To visit with other beings that had similar interests and meet in person with a whole different race. Instead, for the first time our people ever got to meet, I was a prop standing in the background. Hearing the news about Javi only made me feel that much worse. Of course, I would never tell him how I really feel about his trip. He messaged me just before leaving Tenga towards Haimavina to say what was happening. I only replied with a, Good luck, buddy. Proud of you for being able to make it. Inside, I was decimated. I think that may have been what set me off on this undertow that I have been feeling. I love Javi like a brother, but I have been working up to this my whole life. And here he is, in the right place at the right time. He jumps on the first available craft to fulfill my lifelong dream. It was never his. I know he wanted to go, but it was always like most of the things in his life. A casual interest or a passing fad. I have been working my scales off to learn how to pilot and command a method for Vela to travel to the stars and extend our reach only to fail twice. As soon as they put someone else in the place I was yearning for, everything flowed. For the last three annuals, I've been working with a team to go over all of the results of the very successful test of the CS4. Joru is experiencing all of the adoration of the entire planet, which is well-deserved. She and her team did an outstanding job of taking the CS4 through some of the most rigorous tests we have ever put any platform through in VSA history. We needed to get this one right or the entire project would have been scrapped. And the dream of venturing out beyond Von La would have been crushed for lifetimes. It was almost discontinued after the CS3 failure. But people like my mom kept everything moving forward. When we were all ready, Joru jumped the CS4 to Feynora and everything went perfectly. Her transit time was just four cycles which is actually three cycles shorter than our predictions. When they started up the jump drive, we started seeing signals out at all of the receivers we had set up across the system. None of them had any effect on the vessel and the CS4 proceeded through the portal. For four cycles, everyone at the VSA was holding their breaths. In some case, that is almost a literal statement. Some of the mission control personnel, myself included, actually had to be ordered to go home and get sleep because we had been at our post for two cycles and were visibly about to collapse. When the CS4 appeared exactly where it was projected, there was a planetary exhalation that I think could have changed the atmosphere. Then the cheers and parties started. The wide brand erupted with the news. You should have seen the reaction on the streets. I don't know that anyone on Vela has been so excited about space travel since the first launches from Trainor. But while we were happy at the control center, it was only the beginning of the work. Joru stationed the CS4 in orbit of Feynora for a full annul while we went over every system, every report, and every signal we saw. The end result was all clear. Everything performed 
exactly as expected, and we were cleared for the next test. The next stage was a trip from Venora to Tekor Havala. Once again, as soon as the projection for the portal started, all systems lit up with a barrage of strange signals. This time, the transit took six cycles, and the next wave of celebrations commenced. I'm willing to bet that you could hear the cheering all the way to Haimavina. While at TKH, the CS4 docked with the mining station and refreshed supplies and refueled, while we, yet again, reviewed all of the results. This time, it was for two annuals for general repairs and analysis. Only minor repairs were needed. They did swap out a few of the crew at TKH, as some of them were suffering from a little nausea caused by the transition. That wasn't unexpected. While it's not as dramatic as the drop that crews on older Haimavina vessels experienced, it's still not the best feeling in the world. Once they were ready, it was time for the next step. Like I said, this was the most intensive round of tests that we've ever done on anything, so we all knew it was going to be a long process. The last part of the whole test was a trip out to Key. This one was finished in just under eight cycles. I'm not sure if you remember, but one of the interesting things about the CS line of vessels is the time dilation and transit time for anyone on board. When they transit through the projection portal and exit on the other side, it's almost instantaneous for anyone on board. The times that I mentioned are times that we, at home, spent waiting for the CS4 to reappear. To anyone on the craft, there's no time passage at all. So the crew lost track of 18 cycles while we were all waiting for them to show up at each place. It was once they arrived at Key that we got the strangest readings. As soon as the CS4 entered orbit, the onboard SI intercepted a completely new set of signals. These were very similar to the previous warnings that would display if someone attempted to cross the barrier between our systems. You may recall that someone might see a message that would translate for us to forbidden right before systems would go crazy. This signal was intercepted by the SI and it was able to block it from affecting anything and route the signal to a contained virtual environment where it could be analyzed without any contamination to any other system. When the message was decoded, the only information that was legible was something that said, observation failure, abort protocol activated. The message was pretty confusing to everyone involved since the CS4 performed exactly as it was supposed to, and we were all marking it as a rousing success. What made it all the stranger was that all of the various receivers that we had placed around the system reported the same thing. That is, nothing. All of them would occasionally receive the odd signal now and then from the anomaly. Most of them were designed to generate some sort of a disturbance that we knew would cause the anomaly to send out something. Now, it's silent. We have sent word to Haxa to see if they're seeing the same results from their system. But since this has all just happened, we aren't expecting any word back for a while. The CS4 jumped back to Vela after only five cycles in orbit of Key, and took approximately nine cycles to reappear back at home. During its entry and exit of the projection portal, there were no further rogue signals detected, and systems operated even more smoothly than before. This was probably due to the SI not being overtaxed, not intercepting anything that was attempting to interfere with the onboard computers. We took this as confirmation of what we were seeing from the various receivers around the system. The anomaly is gone. Now, we can't be completely sure about this, as this was only the one, albeit very long, test. We still have a lot of investigation and analysis to do on the results. If it's true, then it could change everything between our two worlds. With the Haimavinan vessels able to transit space at faster rate than MagSails and the new CS craft, I think that we're on the swell of a huge shift in how our two planets interact. So, Joru was not only able to complete the task of commanding a vessel 
that will extend Vela's presence in the universe. But she is now being praised as the commander that managed to rid our system of the anomaly that has been plaguing our efforts ever since I attempted to fire up the CS-1. This has deepened my whirlpool of emotions and made me feel even worse about my failures. Aaron has been amazing with helping me to cope with whatever's going on in my head, and we are working with my therapist to understand why I'm feeling this way. I shouldn't feel bad like this when everything is going so well around me. I just don't understand it. Aaron is the perfect partner, more than I could have dreamed of. Nasu is an amazing child. She's patient, education-focused, calm, and quiet, unlike every other five-rotat old child. But Mom and Javi got to experience something that I have dreamed about. Vela is on the swell of becoming an interstellar race, and I'm just sitting here thinking that I'm nothing but a drop in the ocean of change that is happening around me. I wish I could enjoy it the way I want to. I think there may be something wrong with me. May the waves guide us all. Jason, 62. Log entry, Heimavina 92, 2397, Age of Enlightenment. Hey Jason, there's nothing wrong with you. And you should not feel bad because you're experiencing these emotions. It stings to watch others achieve your dreams, especially when maybe it wasn't really even their own dream. And it's okay to feel what you're feeling. But while it might be a cold comfort, Javi, your mom, and Joru have only been able to achieve their success because of the work you did. It reminds me of a story Tara Lou Pierce, the Jarl of House Nuspar and first Heimavinen on Braddoth, likes to tell. Back when she was a newly elected member of the Samcoma, she joined a few representatives on a tour of some of the new ECAL facilities. At the entrance, one of the custodians was washing the windows, and Tara Lou greeted him and they chatted like old friends. One of the representatives asked Tara Lou how she knew him, and she said, Olvish helped get me to Braddoth. The custodian may have not been an engineer or sitting in mission control, but he was part of the team that ensured the work environment was clean and safe. You're not the first Velen on Heimavina, but you pushed Vela far beyond where it was when you were born. Like Olvish, without your contribution, none of that would be possible. Your time will come, and you will stand on Heimavina and breathe the crisp air and feel the cold water in your webs. And you will watch Aluda set over Hopnina Harbor and look for Von Law in the night sky. And one day, you may stand on a planet no one else has visited. Well, after the anomaly disappeared, Hoxa held a press conference to inform the public. They didn't say anything other than, the VSA is also looking into it, and... As soon as we all parse the data, we'll let you know. The spokesperson also said that the fleet will continue to enforce a strict no-fly zone to the Von Law system until further notice. Hoxa briefly mentioned that the CS4 mission was successful, but they didn't really elaborate as much as you did, so it was cool to get an inside scoop of how everything went down. I was on the edge of my seat. It sounds like you and your team have been very busy this last year, combing through the endless amounts of data. I assume more testing will still be needed before any trips are scheduled outside of the system. Any word on your next assignment? Hopefully you and your people can take a bit of a break as well. The traditionalists jumped on the news and called for new hearings. However, this time, the proceedings will take place behind closed doors. Gossip around the Sancoma has been high, and rumored topics include the accidental death of the Hoxa engineer, the Crimson Sun, and the timing of the anomaly's disappearance in relation to your mom's visit. Subpoenas have already been issued, and they are bringing in experts from across the spacing industry. In fact, most of the high-ranking executives and security staff at House News Park have been summoned, including Grandma Iria, Uncle Helgi, and Kai. Kai has never done anything like this, and he's nervous. I told him to listen to his advocates and answer honestly, and remember that he is not on trial. My brother is a pest, but he is also a brilliant astrodynamic engineer, (laughs) so he'll be fine. (laughs) 
Speaking of the SAMCOMA, they just voted to remove term limits for all of its members. The vote passed easily, and even those who spoke out against the measure voted yes. Planetary legislators and senior ministers were powerless to oppose the measure because most of them do not have strict term limits, and opposition would have appeared hypocritical. Fear was not able to use the act of the descendant veto for the same reason. You have to give it to Helena. That was a clever, if not predictable, play. <laughs> she is very popular in her party, and I don't think that she'll face a no-confidence vote anytime soon. You may have heard that the cargo from the Velen probe ships will now be transloaded to fleet craft at Tanga Station. The fleet claims the slow-moving probe is interfering with their interstellar maneuvers and expanded training presence in the Eluda system. The good news is cargo should travel more quickly in both directions. <laughs> Gosh, I hope so, because I sent your mom a bunch of seasonal consumables and spices that she loves. Hopefully, they'll make it to Vela without going bad. <laughs> Bringing up the new fleet duties with Aunt Juniper causes her to grumble about how close she is to retirement. Fleet personnel have the option to retire after a minimum of 100 years of service. Most go into the private sector, like Erico, and enjoy full second careers. Bjorn asked her about her retirement plans, and Juniper said that she had planned to do very little. <laughs> Sonnet laughed and told her that Erico said the same thing and only made it four days before needing a project to keep himself occupied. I mentioned that the Samcoma was considering sending an ambassador delegation to Vela, and Juniper scoffed and replied, Not unless I'm ordered. Diplomacy is not one of my strengths. <laughs> Joking aside, Juniper must certainly be good at her job, because she was just promoted to the Director of Fleet Intelligence. The responsibility for this position is staggering, and she is now the fourth highest-ranking officer for the fleet. She reports directly to the recently appointed fleet commander, Admiral Sven Farrell. When I told her that Sven was a big softy, Juniper glared at me and said, That has not been my experience. She and Helgi are back on Alondra because her position is now at the Minister of Defense. We were all at Sonnet and Erica's for brunch when Nikki got to see Juniper in her dress uniform with her new insignia. Nikki insisted that he sit next to her at brunch and bombarded her with questions. He wanted to know her call sign, what spacecraft she has flown, and where she's been. Erico made the mistake of quipping about how she got stuck with Nikki. And Juniper got a twinkle in her eye and looked at Erico and said, Nikki, did you know that your uncle Erico was a guardian and he has a VR flight simulation game? Nikki's mouth dropped and his full attention shifted to Erico. Erico glared at Juniper and said, Well played, June. <laughs> he told Nikki to grab his juice, and Nikki leapt from his chair, already bombarding Erico with questions as they headed to the game room. <laughs> when it was time to leave, we found Nikki wearing a huge VR headset on his little head, and Erico, also in a headset, talking him through the control. I snapped a few photos for you. It was adorable. Erico said that Nikki has no idea what he's doing, but he didn't get motion sickness, so that's good. We did manage to take the kids to Fleet Week, and they had an absolute blast. We toured a bunch of different spacecraft, old planes, and Nikki even got to sit in the cockpit of a Guardian stiletto. There was also a fun demonstration area for older kids to test their skills as a space marine, by running through an obstacle course with puzzles to solve at different points. We cheered on the girls as they ran the course, and true to their Venstrasse nature, they got very competitive with each other. <laughs> when their scores were posted, Ragna beat out not only her sisters, but all the other kids. The lieutenant running the event said he knows trained marines that can't match her score. Ragna laughed shyly and confessed that she likes puzzle games. Whether what the lieutenant said was true or not, I thought it was really sweet of him to say that to her. Ragna has been really insecure about her talents, and the win was a nice ego boost. Astra and Callista tied, so they were both equally happy, and they all got t-shirts for their participation. For the main event, several private spacecraft sold tickets on their observation decks for the air show. Well, more like a spacecraft show. 
Kai and I, along with all of our kids, including Marcus, watched the show from the House News Park family flagship. The kids watched in wonder, like Kai and I did as kids, when we attended the planetary defense shows at ECAL. This show was similar, albeit from space, with a spectacular parade of spacecraft, fun maneuvers, and a marine spacewalk demonstration. The real treat was the finale. The fleet's demonstration squadron, known as the Ravens, swarmed the open space between the ships. The aerobatic team is composed of eight pilots who fly Guardian Stiletto spacecraft. It was very impressive, and I imagine the Ravens are a great recruiting tool for the fleet. When we got home, Nikki cornered Bjorn and provided a complete play-by-play telling of each of their precision formations and crazy maneuvers. Nikki's curiosity about flying got another boost when we returned to Haimovina, and the captain of the House News Park family starship gave him a tour of the cockpit. Nikki was so good, and he listened intently as the captain showed him around and introduced him to the crew. We even got to be up there when the spacecraft maneuvered into the flight pattern and then dropped into interstellar. I will admit, that was actually really neat. <laughs> well, this year, Bjorn turned... Shh. 120. He doesn't like people knowing that. Pretty soon my age will catch up to him and people will start mistaking me for his wife. (laughs) Bjorn said he didn't want to make a big deal over it. So my parents were going to watch the kids for the evening and we planned a late dinner at his favorite restaurant. As Linnea would have it, that afternoon the kids and I met my mom at the studio where she was fixing some vocals on her latest solo album. The kids loved to watch Grandma Frida in the studio. And during the session, an older man with his hair styled in long fleta and cleared frame glasses quietly joined us in the producer's booth. He introduced himself as Kevin and was super nice. He hung out with us and excitedly told the girls that his youngest great-grandson Izzy also attended Calamar Prep. According to the twins, his great-grandson is a skinny kid who plays ice lords at lunch with the other nerds. When my mom finished up and walked into the producer's booth, we learned that this sweet great-grandfather was Kevin Alendril, the lead singer of the legendary band Tacoa. I didn't recognize him at all, because like my mom, Kevin looks nothing like his stage persona. Apparently he and his band were also recording in the studio across the hall. He heard that my mom was there and wanted to jam and maybe lay down a track with them. My mom, of course, jumped at the chance to play with them. And I told Kevin that my husband and sister-in-law were their biggest fans. And I asked them if they could come and watch too. And he said, sure. While we waited for Bjorn and Sonnet to arrive, the band members chatted with us. And Newt, the lead guitarist, was excited to hear that Calista and Ragna were both learning to play the guitar. And he gave them a few tips and tricks and even showed them a couple of cool riffs to practice. Nikki got to pound the drums with Brett and sing his favorite song with Kevin and my mom. When Bjorn and Sonnet arrived, the band members were so gracious to them. I have never seen Bjorn fanboy with anyone. He gushed about his favorite songs and listed off all of their concerts he had attended, even admitting to some that he and Sonnet snuck into as teenagers. Kevin said, Lord Laurelin, you are a legend too. You and Sonnet made the Empire see our little rock isn't just a place for misfits and burnouts. Well done, kid. And I thought Bjorn might faint. (laughs) We excused ourselves and watched the jam session from the producer's booth. I have been sitting in a producer's booth all of my life, and I love watching songs come together. But this was a real treat. The creativity and the raw talent from this group of musicians was incredible. My mom gelled with them so well, you would have thought that they had been rehearsing for months. Then Bjorn and Sonnet's childhood dreams came true, when the band invited them out to a local tavern for a couple of pints. Bjorn initially turned them down, citing our dinner plans, but I immediately told the band that it was Bjorn's birthday, and they should take him out for a good time. I ended up taking the kids back home with me, so my mom could join them too. The kids were asleep when Bjorn got home. And when he walked into our bedroom suite, it was like he transformed into Nikki. He talked non-stop 
about what a great time he had, showed me the pictures from the evening, and how he and Sonic got backstage passes for Tokoa's upcoming show. As he climbed into bed, he thanked me for the best birthday ever. And then he noticed I was wearing his actual birthday gift. <gasps> what? Jason? No! I was wearing a vintage Sven Benora watch. <laughs> okay, granted, I wasn't wearing anything else, but whatever. <laughs> Several months ago, Grandma Vera made an exciting discovery in the family vault. The Jorgensen family vault is on the estate, and is not as ominous as it sounds. It's basically a big storage closet with a really fancy security system. It's packed with everything from ancient heirlooms to recent knickknacks, old family portraits, and early sadist concert flyers. It's also a complete mess, and I don't know if it's ever been organized. Anyway, Vera was storing our family cloak when she saw a couple of old paintings that toppled off one of the shelves. Before she moved them back, she noticed a wooden box tucked away in the back of the shelf. The box was so covered with dust, she almost didn't even see it. When she carried it out of the vault, she saw it had our ancient family runes burned on the lid and words written in ancient. She called for Bjorn and me to help translate, and it read, Yakoma Atita Diem in Nestaliv. I will find you again in the next life. The three of us just sat there, holding our breath. We tried to guess what could be inside until curiosity got the better of us. Vera slid the top open, and inside was a sort of wool-like material. She carefully unwrapped the crumbling fabric and revealed two intricately braided gold crowns. After some coaxing from us, Vera slowly placed one of them on her head, but the crown was too small for her, and she handed it to me and insisted I try it on. Jason, I had to take a beat because I was holding my family's ancient history. The crown fit perfectly. I guess the stories were correct that Empress Hera was a petite woman like me. Vera handed the other crown to Bjorn, who took a deep breath and placed it on his head. Bjorn sat up straighter, and his face split into a mischievous grin, and he said, Oh, I could get used to this. <laughs> we made this discovery right around the annual Old Family Fashion Magazine's event, this year's theme was romance, and the photographer thought it would be fun to recreate images from the ancient love stories of Hera and Ivar. Vera gave us permission to wear the crowns for the photo. Bjorn and I were photographed by a burning hearth, walking in a forest, riding Hesta, and posing the same way as the famous statue at Vicksburg. The girls loved the photos and enjoyed watching us bring life to their favorite stories. Inside the magazine, there is a hilarious picture of just our immediate family. Us, Bjorn's girls, my girls, and Nikki. The candid photo is a perfect representation of our lives, as it's Nikki in focus running towards the camera laughing, and the rest of us are trying to grab him. <laughs> that photo is my favorite, and is now hanging over our fireplace in our home on Viron. Which reminds me, I feel like every time I message you, I tell you about a new baby. Well, there are two more. Not mine. <laughs> Janine and Rune had a girl, Sarah Yana Laurelin, named after both of their mothers. Rin and Thane had a girl too, Alyssa Shy Laurelin, and they just announced another one on the way. Sarah and Alyssa are as cute as they can be with their sparkling gray eyes and chubby cheeks, but both girls can be super fussy. <laughs> Well, except with Grandpa. <laughs> Bjorn has a way with kids. They just melt in his arms and fall asleep. Bjorn is in baby heaven and says that he loves being surrounded by all of his beautiful girls. <laughs> well, with all the babies around, it was inevitable that Nikki would ask where babies come from. We decided on a simpler explanation for now and told him that babies are made when two people love each other so much that they are able to create a baby. Of course, this only furthered his desire for a baby brother. <laughs> and we told him countless times that he was such an amazing kid and that with Marcus and little Lars, he already had brothers around. 
and then he will fold his arms and pout. <laughs> Bjorn will grab Nikki and swing him up in the air and into his arms and then tickle him. Nikki loves it when Bjorn does that and instantly starts laughing. <laughs> no, he's not getting a baby brother. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you, Jason. Life is surprising. None of us ever really know what will happen. And we don't always get what we want. And our dreams can sometimes be so distant, they almost don't exist. You and I have experienced enough trauma for multiple lifetimes. But we're still standing. And I'm glad that you're seeking help. And it warms my heart to know that Aaron is right there with you. I would not expect anything less. You will come through this. And great things lie ahead of you. Love, CJ, age 63. Log entry, Vela 93, Vela Rotat 2717, cycle 10 of the 6th Anul. Hey CJ. First, I want to thank you for the kind words you sent in your latest transmission. I was not in the best of places when I sent mine, and when I think back on it, I probably should have not sent it at all. I hate for people to see me in that state. It's not something that happens very often. And it's been a long time since I was that bad. You should know that I'm doing much better now, and I'm thinking clearly again. I mentioned a long time ago that I've been seeing a therapist. This was mostly after the CS1 accident. However, recent stresses have been adding up. The added burden of working at the VSA in a test pilot capacity, the CS3 project, the hearing, circumstances with my natural mother, and the investigations into the anomaly have all necessitated continued visits with someone that can help me sort out and deal with the problems in a better capacity than I could do on my own. I love Erin to death, but I would never burden her with my problems more than the usual of dealing with me. <laughs> she understands that someone who is trained to deal with issues like mine is much better suited to help. She knows the signs that can lead up to episodes and does what she can to help mitigate them. After talking again with the doctor, we determined that this latest spell had occurred because of the various successes that have occurred around me for things that I've been working on or towards, but not directly to me. This triggered a form of post-traumatic stress that my brain interpreted as failure to work towards the goals that I had set in my life. The reality of this situation is almost exactly as you said in your message. Even though I was not at the front and center of the latest successes, they were happening because of the work that I and many others had done. Once we were able to convince my brain of this, my body began to calm down and I could feel normal again. By the way, the other day I was walking through the VSA mission area and I stopped to talk to the cleaning crew. I thanked them for helping to make the CS4 project a success and they replied with a, we know. Every success the VSA experience is partly due to us. Thank you for recognizing it. And they gave me a salute and went back to work. You may notice the lavish decorations behind me here. I'm currently sitting in a small tea shop that is orbiting Vela at 15,840 fellows per second. You might even say it's the fastest traveling tea shop in the system. Don't worry. The doctors didn't give me any weird brain medications, aside from the ones I'm already taking. Aaron decided that after everything that had been happening for the last few rotets, we needed a vacation. After mom got back from Tenga Station, she was still feeling a little run down, so Isla offered to help her out. She takes care of things around the house while mom focuses on her recovery, and her debriefs with the council on everything she did and learned while on Heimovina. I'm a little worried that space travel at her age may have taken a bit more out of her than she planned for. She says that she's doing well and ready to take on whatever the council throws at her next, but I can see the wear on her. Still, with Isla there to help, I think she will recover just fine. Just before we left, Aaron dropped Nasu off with my mom and Isla, and then swirled me off on a shuttle bound for Lakula R. We got one of the secluded suites on the upper part of the orbital ring. It has nice views of Vela below, and just about every subtide, we can undim the viewport and watch Von La rise and set. It's so peaceful up here, 
I decided to take a walk while Erin was distracted with work stuff, because she never stops, and grab some tay while I reply to you. I have heard of some upcoming projects that are a partnership between a few private companies and the VSA, but not funded or run by them. It's a residential version of La Coola R. The popularity of the Space Hotel has been so high that there has been a demand for a few different versions that are being talked about. One of them is a whole new station that would be available to purchase or rent, but instead of short-term visits, it would be a permanent move, or at least a rotat by rotat lease. Could you imagine just living on a space station, like, all the time? I've been on various vessels for long periods of times, and they're claustrophobic. Granted, the vessels I've served on are small and not nearly as fancy as something like they are proposing. Even staying here on this station has been the opposite of what I have experienced on the previous craft I've been on. They work really hard here to give the feeling of more open areas. Some rooms are designed to give you the feeling of being outdoors. I'm still not sure I would wish to live up here, but I could certainly see both ends of the pool. It's now been a full rotat since the initial test of the CS4 and we are still seeing no further weird signals from the anomaly. There are many here that believe that it's really finally gone. One of the big projects that Aaron has been working on has been a new algorithm for the SI, which will process and analyze every transmission that Vela has received since we started listening to the stars. This goes into the archives of the radio labs and dates back to even before Papa Gisto's time. What the SI is looking for is anything that could indicate early evidence of an anomaly. It's an enormous amount of data, and it would take the entire population of Vela and Hymavina about a thousand rotats to look through it if we were doing it ourselves. The SI has already started and is expected to be finished within the rotat. If Aaron's theory is correct, it's possible that we could have been seeing or hearing these signals for a very long time, and just not realized it. Earlier this annual, we actually wrapped up the analysis of the CS4 test. Everyone at the VSA and the Council gave a green check to the next phase of the project. The manufacturing facilities jumped at the opportunity, and work swelled in creating new vessels with the CS engine. Work has even begun to retrofit existing ships with the new jump drive. Jonah sent me a congratulatory message that may have included a few select curse words as his workload just tripled to keep up with the demand. You mentioned that the trade vessels that visit Tanga would be offloading their goods there to transfer to the fleet. Well, you were right that the speed of that was going to change. The first two CC vessels have been upgraded with the new jump engines, and all of their tests came back clean. They are scheduled to rotate into the route to Tanga within the next few annuals and start phasing out the older craft for upgrades of their own. This will cut down the travel time to Tanga from multiple annuals to just a few cycles. The VSA is now creating a new subdivision that will deal with the process of parceling out airspace around Vela and the various installations. The VSTC, or Velen Space Traffic Control will be in charge of designating specific entry and exit locations that would be used for scheduled arrivals and departures of jump-upgraded vessels. The portal that opens for a craft to enter doesn't open automatically at the destination point and can take a few cycles to appear, so a very strict schedule and location has to be set in advance to prevent any sort of accident with two objects materializing in the same place at the same time. The onboard SI does a really good job of analyzing the path and patterns of everything in the space around an entry and exit location, but that is limited to what it can see and project. Since the travel time is still being refined, a lot can change in the few cycles that it takes to traverse the entry portal. Needless to say, it can get very complicated to keep track of everything in the known universe. So the VSTC is working to keep everything safe and simple. They sent word to Haxa and your fleet 
to begin potentially scheduling arrivals and departures for Heimavinen vessels that choose to visit Vela, and they are interested in working on any locations that Velencraft can transit to. I've heard that it could be quite a while before something like that happens, but they wanted to get the wave started and see what could happen. I'm sure that part of the delays they face are due to the investigation you described in your message. Of course, I have a few contacts in the investigative division at the VSA. Since, you know, I worked there. But they said they haven't heard anything yet about an inquiry for any evidence or theories. Since it sounds like the investigation there only started recently, and with messages taking the amount of time that they do, perhaps it's just that nothing has come in yet. I do know that the VSA has always been ready and willing to present any findings and share information with Haimavina as needed, when it comes to the anomaly. I think that part of that willingness has been to ensure that no one there thinks that any of it is our fault. I know that it's not, but there are those on your end of things that tend to be more skeptical, paranoid, and questioning, which was made evident with this latest round of investigations. Hopefully your Samcoma will be willing to work with the council and realize that we both want to discover the source of this issue together. Speaking of the Samcoma, this new vote for the elimination of term limits sounds very concerning. I certainly can provide no real insight into it. I'm about as politically minded as a Siki on dry land. But from a bi-swimmer's standpoint, this sounds like a bad thing. Do they still do elections for those positions? Well, we don't have something that resembles term limits here with the council positions. The average villain doesn't live that long, and there are elections every four rotats that can, and often do, result in a person leaving office before they may have accomplished what they might have wanted to. A usual run for villain council starts at the regional level. This can be as small as a town of 40 people to a small city. Typically, a member would stay in that office for two to four terms before moving up a level, by election, of course, to a section of the continent. The process continues along that pattern, moving up each time to the primary council seats. Usually, by the time someone gets there, they are around my mom's age and ready to retire shortly after a few terms in position. Now, if we swim over to the other side of the galaxy, your people live for a very long time. I could see why they would want something like term limits in place. After a while, if the same person keeps getting elected over and over and over again, their policies would become stale and lack progress. If that person stays in power for so long, they could lose track of their own lives and only crave more power. With the removal of limits on that check for power, the next step could be the removal of any sort of election. After that, you're left with someone who craves power over everyone else in charge with no means to remove them. I know that's a lot of rambling from someone whose eyes glaze over anytime mom starts talking about council policy, but I think there should always be some checks and balances in everything that we do. So why not politics as well? Without a check on your reactor power, your craft could blow up. I remember some of the times that mom would take me, as a kid, to some of the air shows that the VSA would put on. So I can totally relate to Nikki's excitement over the Fleet Week event that you had there. There's something about being that age and so full of wonder for everything, and then sitting in the seat of a vessel that can travel at incredible speeds. You look wide-eyed at all of the controls and try and commit them to memory so that you can study that mind image later and learn what each function does. This is the insatiable curiosity that we all have about the things we are passionate about as kids. Mom said that I would do the same thing Nikki did with Juniper and Erko, but with Helgi, asking about traveling to space and what it was like. Before that, she said Helgi was the same with messages to Papagisto. I think it was our way of just trying to soak up all of the experience and information around us from those that we idolize. Please send my warmest regards to Bjorn on his latest fourth day celebration. 
to imagine that he is nearly twice my own age actually makes me feel a lot younger now. And with the standard Velen lifespan, that's something itself to celebrate. Seeing Tekoa in person and watching them from the booth sounds like the perfect way to spend a special day there. Especially if they are doing a new loop recording with Frida. It's like having all of your school together doing something that you love to do. The only thing that I think would have made his evening better would be if you had gone to that tavern with him. Sadly, this sort of event can't be replicated here on Vela. I'm not sure if you had heard, but the last surviving member of Pana, one of my favorite bands, and our version of Tekoa, passed away. Many of the replacement bandmates decided that it was time to retire and move on to other projects. So tell Bjorn to treasure that memory forever, as you never know when you won't be able to experience that again. On to your latest discovery. Your school has a room of ancient relics? Given how far your house dates back, I can only imagine the objects that a room like that could hold. The crowns that Vera found looked so beautifully intricate. I assume they required some cleaning to look as stunning as they did in the photos. You both looked so regal wearing them in the picture. Did your photographer work to make the photo look so much like the painting of Hera and Ivar? The resemblance is really amazing when you compare them side by side. What else do you think could be hiding in that vault? Perhaps I can talk Aaron into building some cataloging software to help you inventory and organize it. Who knows what other incredible family secrets could be waiting for you in there. In the meantime, Aaron and I will be staying on Lakula R for about 10 more cycles. The doctor said that the time off would do me good and that I should try and find the love that I had for the work I was doing again. This vacation is a way of reflecting on what I have done and what I want to do with the rest of my life and potentially refocus those goals. I love flying and I love exploring space, but I also love my life here on Vela and the people around me. It's no wonder that my brain has been so scrambled lately with everything that has been going on. So I will just sit here in this tea shop and watch Vela below and space above and just pause while I figure out what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> like I'll ever grow up. May the waves guide us. Jason 63. You have been listening to an episode of The Binary Saga. The part of CJ is played by Vanessa Shannon Anderson. The part of Jason is played by Steve Petrocelli. Thank you to our Patreon members, Rob and Mary Carnahan, Samantha and Dr. Layla. If you like what we're doing, please consider visiting our Patreon page, which can be found in the Where to Find Us menu on our website. We have multiple levels of support, with a lot of fun features like transcripts and photos. Or if you just want to donate to our cafe, Bjor, or Sidrus funds, it's always appreciated. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook with at the Binary Saga. Want to ask us questions? you can join us on Discord for open chat. Find all of these links and more information at BinarySaga.com. You can read the print version of the entire first and second season in Kindle or paperback on Amazon. These versions include a number of extra stories and background information. Just search for The Binary Saga. <laughs>